Venture in the South, a podcast about startup investing in the Southern United States. Our hosts are experienced angel investors with over 90 startup investments. We'll share some Southern wisdom while exposing you to vibrant startups here in the South. Welcome to Venture South. I'm David and I'm here with Preet Singh. He's the CEO of Live Furnish. So we're going to talk about this company that basically takes uh, digital uh, images and creates photographic type images of furnishings without actually taking a picture. So that's that's my explanation. He's going to explain this more. But let me give you a little background on uh, Preet. So he has a computer science degree from, and this, tell me if I'm not saying this right, uh, Manav Rachna College of Engineering. Did I say that right? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, he was product lead for Dassault Systems uh, for virtual reality for about three years at, until 2012, and then spent about five years um, with Zed Interactive, fulfilling the need for uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, 3D visualization services in real estate, as well as automobile, retail, and energy sectors. And then in 2017, uh, he founded Live Furnish. So is that about right, Preet? Live Furnish, yeah. Okay. Well, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Um, tell us, it, 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 from your perspective, what the problem that, that Live Furnish is solving if you look at the way people are interacting now and the amount of data that's being consumed, especially visual data in terms of imagery, videos, interactive experiences that are being consumed every month, they're growing month over month. And one of the largest challenges for any product or brand is producing visual content, whether it is for e-commerce, digital prototyping, you know, design reviews, all the way to social media and being able to sell those products. And in a lot of cases, customizing those products. That's where we feel that there is a massive gap in the market where businesses do not have tool sets that enable them to be able to produce high quality content very quickly without the need to have specialized skills. Essentially, if you look at it, if you look at the way content is produced today that you consume from businesses or D2C e-commerce companies or Wayfair or Amazon, it's all professionally curated content by photography studios, CGI agencies, you know, a lot of like freelance photographers. Whereas what we want to do is we want to give the ability of production of beautiful, high quality content to marketeers, salespeople, designers, operations, merchandisers, all of them, because they all need to be able to curate content day in and day out to do their jobs. And this is like this bottleneck where you need to get a professional or you need to create a team to be able to do this. So in a way, think about how hard it was to build a website maybe 10 years ago with a shopping cart and how easy Shopify has made it for everyone. Right? How hard it was to create presentations and beautiful graphics, especially for social media, and how easy Canva has made that for everyone. Similarly, consider how three hard 3D is because that's what you need to produce any kind of CGI content. And traditionally, you need to go to college for about three to four years, then work a job for a few years before you're able to actually do the full life cycle 
of a 3D program and produce high quality consumable content and the amount of time and effort and energy it takes. What we've done is we've made 3D simple. We've built a lot of backend automation, rendering, lighting, visualization technology on the cloud and a very simple and easy to use interface that marketers, designers, salespeople are currently using. We've got about 125, 130 plus uh, companies using our platform and they're all using it internally to be able to produce the content they need for catalogs, salespeople on the field doing customizations, all the e-commerce content there is on, on Wayfair, Amazon, all of that, as well as social media content. And recently, the design teams at a lot of these companies started using our platform because what they would do is they would they would push in CAD drawings, which are essentially design files, onto our platform. And with the help of our team, generate the 3D data. And once the 3D data is available, they're then running multiple customizations on it to be able to prototype digitally versus being able to prototype physically, which takes so much more time, effort, energy, and cost. So also, we've recently learned that our platform is making our customers way more sustainable. What we've very recently realized is how designers in a lot of these companies are using our platform now to be able to prototype and digitally view how products would look without the need for actually making them. Oh, before and, they make the product. Yeah, before they make the product. Oh, that's that's, like that's very the beautiful thing. Because, you know, whenever you're making a product, you start with a design, like a sketch, yes. right? You go from sketch to CAD. That's when you finalize and you're laying out the dimensions. Now, then you go out and actually make those physical prototypes. Uh-huh. Instead of doing that, we're enabling companies that where we can ingest their CAD files and give them 3D data that they can manipulate on their own and customize it so digital however prototype. they want. Correct. Very interesting. So you, you start with digital prototyping and... The amount of time and money and effort it takes to actually get physical prototypes built mm-hmm. and then shipped to you or you have to travel to see them based on how big they are, that's what completely changed is now they're able to do it digitally and do digital design reviews. What's also happened is it not just saves them time and cost, but a lot of our customers have told us that it's made them also extremely sustainable because they're not producing so many samples and throwing them away at the end of the year. I see. Well, let me restate this a little bit for our listeners because I'm an investor and I invested in this because I thought it was very, very innovative. And, you know, you've obviously expanded your your market. But in the beginning, uh, as I recall, it was a way to bring the imagery for like furniture and things like that that you normally outsource to a photographer and it's a, it's a time thing and it's a big commitment hassle and expensive and you're able to just digitize that and create that into the, your platform so that once you get the images in there the the marketing staff at the the enterprise can do that the, this themselves and so they can create these images and stuff that are publication ready but it sounds like You've expanded that way beyond that. Exactly. Like we're um, we're learning from our customers, right? Uh-huh. And as we spend more time with our customers, we learn a lot more about their business and how they could use our platform. So what's interesting is once they've used it in design, that same data gets pushed over 
to marketing and e-commerce and sales to be able to use it. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's where they drop it into beautiful room scenes. They produce all this beautiful content that's showing up on multiple websites, whether it's marketplaces like Wayfair and Amazon or whether it's D2C e-commerce plays or in a lot of cases, our application is in the hand of is in the hands of salespeople. So walk us through walk us through an example. Let's say let's I mean, you you could probably utilize this in a lot of industries, but let's let's just focus on furniture. So. You've got some new furniture that this vendor wants to do. Walk me through how they would use your application. Sure. So let's say you're a company that makes sofas, for example. That's the easiest example, right? So if you're a company that makes sofas, your design team is going to start with a sketch of what their new collection in the next six months is going to look like, right? So they do the sketch, then they go into CAD. Once they're in CAD phase, they send us the CAD and we ingest it and they get in return the 3D files. Those 3D files, they'll try different fabrics, different finishes on it. And here's the beautiful thing. If they're using fabrics from a company that already works from us, works with us, because we also work with the home textiles Uh industry, right? They can just pick up those repeat digital design files and start applying them on their products. I see. Right. So it makes it easier for them. As they do that and they hit a button, it sends that data onto our cloud, gets rendered, processed, post-processed automatically. And about 15 minutes later, you receive the final high-resolution image. So what they're now doing is they're going to prototype it with different fabrics, different finishes, and then decide on which product they want to go to market with. Mm-hmm. Once that part is finalized, that data is then used, the subset of that data is used to carry out initial market research with their buyers, like a closed group market research to understand what they would buy and what they wouldn't. I see. Because every company wants to take only the products that sell to market, right? right? Now, as they do that, if there are changes that are suggested, those changes can be made pretty rapidly on our platform. And then you get the final list of products you're going to market with. That data then inside the platform gets assigned to the marketing, e-commerce, sales, social media teams. Those people are then able to take that data, produce all the beautiful white background imagery that they need, and then place them into beautiful rooms, set everything up, and produce these beautiful, stunning, high-resolution lifestyle imagery, which is so important for any kind of e-commerce play that you might be working on today. And then they're able to push push that data onto onto their website, onto their marketplace, onto social media. And in a lot of cases where companies are selling custom products, where customization is possible, the salespeople will carry our application on their iPads and be able to customize and render in real time while reducing the number of samples they carry and the number of samples that they have to get shipped to the end buyer. That, right? That's just that's just really creative, Preet. I mean, I mean, it's just amazing that you've been able to do that and and uh you know solve you're really solving multiple problems now from where you started how did you get how did you get this idea how did you get started with this so you know like most uh solutions to most problems start at home right <laughs> so uh i'm indian uh we live with our parents even when we're older uh-huh. that's our culture so um i remember i was living with my parents and my mom was complaining about how I never really help her uh, do a lot of things, which is kind of true. Um, and, and I remember she was redoing our living room and she said, I, I really need help and I'm unable to figure out which things will look good. Uh-huh. So I went from store to store with her looking at custom fabrics, 
custom sofas, rugs, lighting, oh chairs, goodness. all of that. Right? I was being the good son. Yeah. Um, and as we went about it, I was unable to put it all together in my head. Right? Uh-huh. I have no idea what kind of sofa looks good with what kind of rug. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So as we were doing that, I kept asking the store owners, like, don't you have a way to show it to me? Like, isn't there a way I can see this fabric on, say, a sofa that looks like this? Uh-huh. Like, how do I decide? And all I got was blank faces, right? And all along in my head, I was like, I'm a graphics engineer. I can do it. Like, it's not that hard to do, right? And I kept thinking about it. That's kind of where we started. And um, we launched our retail app back in like 2017. And, and we had uh, about 200 customers that bought from us. And then slowly we realized that the real use case where people were using our platform was actually to produce imagery to be able to put on e-commerce without having to go through a photo shoot because that, that was a larger pain for them. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. As, as we understood that, we pivoted into being the digital content production engine for people to be able to utilize 3D data without having to learn, learn a 3D program. Yeah, that's what sold as me more, on the business. Right there. Exactly. I mean, it's a, it's a learning curve, right? Uh-huh. Uh, the more you the more you work with your customers, the more you realize how your product actually fits in their environment, yeah. right? Yeah. And as we started to do that, we had textile companies come our way. We had accessories, lighting. Here's another beautiful uh, use case. We now have a lot of retailers. Some of them are the top 100 home furnishing retailers in the country. And... Their aim is I'm buying sofas from you, lights from someone else, rugs from someone, accessories from someone. I want to be able to pull all those digital assets together in one room and produce my own imagery because most retailers today follow an omni-channel approach where they'll have a website, they'll run promotions. They also have a store, but they'll also do social media and they'll drive traffic through to their store or they'll let users buy online. Yeah. Right. And they need their own content. They need their own imagery. But they're taking product that's already been photographed by different companies that they're buying from and then putting it together in their collection and photographing it. Mm -hmm. Whereas, remember the furniture company we talked about? Once all that data is ready with marketing and e-commerce, they can then share it with the retailer that's buying from them. Right. Right. And they can reuse those assets to produce their own content. And they have to love that because that enables them to display all the combinations you can possibly imagine. Oh, absolutely. The the quotation we got from one of our customers, which is a large home furnishings uh, retail store, is, uh, let me find it for you in a second. And, and they said that we saw product views increase an average of 62% and as high as 350%, leading to an average sales increase of 46% for items using live furnish imagery. Wow. That's pretty big endorsement. And you save about 80% in cost, man. Oh, yeah. So that's a, it's a double win. So on both sides, yep. you sell more and you say you cost less to sell it. That's cool. Yep. Well, I have a couple of questions about traction and growth. But before we go to that, I just want to remind our listeners to rate and review our podcast since that's the lifeblood of our podcast. Venture in the South is sponsored by the Rolling South Fund a rolling fund focused on early-stage startups in the South. Fund returns are exempt from federal capital gains tax under IRS Section 1202, provide excellent diversification over 8 to 16 startups per year, and at a lower cost than traditional funds. To contact us, visit rollingsouth 
www.thepodcast.vc. Okay. Now, uh, Preet, tell us a little bit about the traction you've experienced over the last couple of years um, in terms of customers and sales and things like that. Yeah. We effectively started selling in the U.S. market around November of 2020, mm-hmm. November end of 2020. Uh, since then to December 31st last year, which is about a year and two months, um, we we acquired about 120 mid to enterprise level accounts that started using our platform, um, which has kind of helped us out quite a bit. Like we've been very effective in selling. And this year we're very focused on growing those accounts and of course adding more. But uh, growth has been, uh, we grew about 650% last year. Oh my goodness. In terms of revenue. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're, we're on a trajectory and we'd like to keep it going. Well, another year of 650, you're, you're ready to go public. <laughs> that would be that amazing. That would be dope though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, how many employees do you have now? Uh, we have about 68 employees now in total. Uh-huh. Um, we're split across two geographies. Uh, the engineering and 3D design and operations team are based in India, uh-huh. uh, whereas all our sales, marketing, product design is all based in the U.S. We're in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh-huh. And now a lot of our uh, employees are remote. So yeah. can't, can't say much for location, but yeah. Okay, that sounds cool. All right, so tell me a little bit about um, the funding you've raised to date. How many rounds of funding, and and if you're willing to share, how much funding? Yeah, uh, we went through an accelerator program in 2019, uh-huh. uh, which was Launch, uh, which is a, an accelerator in San Francisco. Um, Post which uh, we raised our first real round from uh, Venture South. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as our existing investors from launch. So I think that was about 1.4 million, uh-huh. give or take. Uh, so December 31st, like December 25th or 30th, something like that, uh, 2021, is we closed our next round, uh, which was about 6.3 million. Uh-huh. And you just closed that? Yeah, in December, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, that, so how much runway is that going to give you? Uh, about 24 to 26 months. Okay, so that's pretty good. And do you anticipate yep. another raise after that? Um, we're opportunistic, uh-huh. is how I would put it. Okay. Um, we have a lot of uh, new development going on in front of us that make that gives us the opportunity to expand more and and like work on it faster. Mm-hmm. We are looking at the metaverse as well very closely. Mm-hmm. So that that offering is due soon too. So if things take off, maybe sooner, maybe not. I, I really cannot say for now. Sure, that's fair. Okay, well, it, it, let me ask you about the plans going forward. So if for the next year or so, what what's on your plate? Yeah, next year or so, we're uh, actually launching version two of our application in about 42 days, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be a big major release. Uh, we're moving completely from a desktop application to a web-based application. So mm-hmm. people will be able to experience three-dimensional data working beautifully and being able to handle large amounts of data inside a web browser while giving them additional flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, we're uh, focusing on growing our existing team as well as our accounts. Um, we're also opening up the European market for us. 
So we are uh, eyeing Germany as well as UK mm-hmm. uh, to be two places where we set up teams this year. Mm-hmm. That's that's essentially on our plate as of now. Plus, uh, not allowed to talk too much about it, but the metaverse offering is coming soon. Cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's the wild west right now. So it's hard to know what's going to happen with that, but it's it seems like a lot of opportunity potentially, particularly for e-commerce. Uh, yeah. Okay. So international expansion—that's really cool. Um, tell us what you've learned. You've been through multiple raises now. W- w- what have you learned from raising money? Other than it's a pain. When you're raising, yeah. <laughs> um, when you're raising money, I would say like it's uh, it's something you need to do full time. Uh-huh. So you know, get your ducks in in a row before you go out to raise. Yep. Because trying to grow your business and trying to raise at the same time can be challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, uh, like pick your investors. Don't don't go with the first offer you get. Uh, pick the people you want to do business with and that share your values because um, raising money is one story and running a company with people on your board is another. Mm-hmm. I think we've, uh, we've been very fortunate to be able to pick our investors. Um, and uh, last round also, we picked the investors that we wanted to really work with. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's that's been a, a blessing to us. That's a, that's some real wisdom there, uh, Singh. So I don't hear that too much from uh, entrepreneurs. So uh, one final thing, uh, can you walk us through your revenue model, how you, how you make money? So um, when a customer uses our platform, they pay for the number of images that they produce on top of a subscription that they buy. Um, and every time they produce an image, uh, we today pricing changes. It's changes from time to time. Like, you know, we've like any startup, we keep changing our price, yep. but at the moment it's $50 an image. So every time you produce an image, uh, you get something that would have probably costed you anywhere from 500 to $5,000. Uh-huh. And we charge you 50 bucks for it. And for us, we've spent a lot of time engineering as well as doing a lot of development work that makes it profitable for us to be able to charge you that $50 and still make a decent amount of money. So there's no subscription fee for the user? There is. Uh, so you start off with a $10,000 subscription. Okay which uh, gives you about $8,000 in credit. I see. Which you can deduct $50 at a time. I see. But if you look at it, at the number of images an enterprise makes, it's way more than 160 images that you get. I see. It's an, e- it's an easier uh, chunk to bite uh-huh. and to get started. But that's, that's kind of how we like to go about it is we let our technology do the talking. Uh-huh. Uh, once you've started using it, instead of us trying to push hard on showing you value and why you should write six, seven figure checks yeah. to us. Now that subscription, is that like for a year? Is that how that works? Annual. Yeah. Annual. Okay. And then each year when they renew, they get credit for the X number of photos or a certain amount of money. Yep. I get you. Okay. Yep. That's a very interesting model. So it's sort of like combination of production and SaaS. Absolutely. Because, uh, you know, we the, the value that we deliver, we are, technology is so high. Um, our customers, one of our customers, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but one of our customers called me after 32 days of using the subscription and saying, Hey, I want to buy more credits. And we're like, sure, put your credit card in and go ahead and buy it. And then they're like, I want to say this. It's like, you guys are selling like 
crack cocaine. <laughs> um, we're, we're so hooked onto it. We're never going to go back to regular photography. And it's just made our life so much easier that nobody in the, in the company is questioning as to why we're spending more money on you. Uh-huh. Maybe the better analogy would be, uh, you know, amphetamines <laughs> because it revs up their business so much and they can't quit. Um, okay. So let me ask you something else. So have you, have you tried approaching the auto industry? Cause that would seem like an obvious fit. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of different industries that we're, we've looked at in the past and we continue to look at them, but the home furnishings industry is so huge. It's so big because we're not just doing furniture. We're doing textiles, furniture, case goods, accessories, lighting, rugs, mattresses, retail stores. And then we're going to also launch uh, an offering that's connected to all of this for the interior design industry. Mm -hmm. And then there's also D2C Mm -hmm. e-commerce. We're kind of like trying to focus on one industry and grow fast. Yeah. Instead of kind of like spreading out train, because something like automobile is super easy for me. Mm-hmm. Even in my last company, I worked with Audi, Volkswagen, Suzuki, Bajaj, a lot of different large automobile companies. Well, that that's that's cool that you have so much on your plate that you can't go to another market because you haven't exploited the market you're in, and and that's cool that you've developed focus on that. So I, I think that's very wise. So thank you. Just to wrap things up here, Preet, do you have any advice for founders? Because you you seem like you really have a good handle on a lot of these issues that investors are interested in for founders. You know, focus, um, picking a picking a customer and really learning about the customer and what they want, and then designing your service or product to meet that need based on what the customer says that they need and and act like what they need. So, do you have any? recommendations for founders in terms of what they can do better? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, I'm not successful yet myself, so whatever I say, take it with a pinch of salt. Um, I, I would say um, don't pick a market. Uh, look at a market, pick a sub-segment, and then pick a sub-sub-segment of that market, right? So really focus. Become the number... Yeah, really focus on a sub-sub-segment of that market. Become the number one player there. Improve your product, change your offering, whatever you need to do. Become the number one player there and then keep adding sub-segments, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, how, that's how I feel like we've done it. That's how I think if I had to do it again, I would, I would stick to that. Well, that's good advice. Uh, boy, if, if all founders followed that, we'd probably have fewer failures. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Preet. Uh, That was very enlightening. And I certainly appreciate your time. And thank you, listeners. And please rate and review. And if you would, contact us and let us know what you think. If you have questions or things, uh, subjects that you would like us to include, let us know. We'd, We'd like to hear from you. This podcast is supported by Venture Carolina, an educational nonprofit focused on angel investors and entrepreneurs. Our team is built from successful entrepreneurs, investors, venture capitalists, board members, and executives that want to give back. Thank you for listening. Please consider subscribing and leaving us a review. Visit us at VentureInTheSouth.com for a complete list of previous and future shows. Contact us if you have any comments or requests.